Fake Spike Podcast. Episodes are piling up as we uh, start to look at a season that's starting to resemble 2020. Vort, this one I think was worse than last week, and you know I'll get to why, but I think this was worse than last week for for a couple of different reasons. Uh, I'll let you start. You know, you, uh, you you usually set the tone, and then we go from there. So tell me your thoughts. Well, I'll start off with this. Uh, I come to you and whoever is listening to us, hat in hand, apologizing. I was wrong. When the season started, I said, I don't care about wins and losses. I want to look good. I want to find little positives. And I don't want to be that fan that I'm going to be realistic. We have a rookie quarterback. We have a young team. Blah, blah, blah. That shit went out the window this week. Watching this team pitifully struggle to score zero points. So bad. Get outclassed, outplayed, out. This was the first time in three weeks that I saw no life. I saw a rookie quarterback who generally who genuinely looked lost. I saw a team that in the second half kind of said the that resembled the team last week. They said, well, things are not going our way again. This is going to be a long day. The defense kept trying. The defense it's I feel like uh, we turned on the podcast from late last season and we just and we just pressed play. The defense is trying, the energy is there, they're trying to do their best, they're trying to put something good on film. The offense is inept. Um, I'll touch, we'll go into the quarterback talk a little bit later, but the one thing I want to throw out to you, and I know I texted it to you, the big, the big, big, big disappointment out of many that I took this week, because getting shut out is just, it's devastating. It broke my heart. It made me a dark sider instantly by week three. So my promise of not caring about wins and losses lasted three weeks. I feel like I'm sitting on the ledge waiting for somebody to push me and end the misery. But what worries me is, a lot of rookie quarterbacks that I see, none of them are stars yet. But Lawrence, again, um, I watch the Jets games and I look at the highlights of the other games. So can't judge too much from a 10-minute highlight. But from what I'm seeing, Lawrence looks like a ready-made pro quarterback who is just a little step behind. He just needs to get used to the NFL speed. No big deal. I look at Mac Jones. Maybe he doesn't have a high ceiling, the guy, but he plays safe. He protects the ball. Uh something is there i look at zach wilson i want to believe i'm a fan but i see a young lost rookie quarterback just scrambling mindlessly and heaving a jump ball when the when time runs out this week just broke me i want to stop i want to let you jump in but this week left me no positives well there you go i you you could have skipped everything you said except to that last line and i would i'm on board with you there was no positive i took nothing away from this game at all nothing there wasn't a single thing i looked at and said hey maybe this may maybe that awful awful performance and i consider it to be worse than last week because last week it's the wheels came off it was just a bad game the rookie quarterback had a bad game he you know he mistook the jets jerseys for blue uh and that happens you know a shitty game where everything falls apart will happen yesterday was just complete and total ineptitude on every level from the quarterback all the way to the offensive line to the coaching to 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 everything and except the defense again the only if you want to take a positive i'll say the defense wasn't horrible but they're, they weren't good either. So I totally on board. I was absolutely disgusted. And I, I still don't care about the wins and losses. I expected a five-win season, maybe six. Uh, and, and if I get that, I don't care how I get there. I mean, well, I, I don't want to be right about the wins. You know, I, I, but, but I don't care 
about the wins themselves in particular. I just want to see some progress. And we are seeing the opposite of progress. We are seeing regression from week one when they looked like crap in the first half and came out and really gave you something. You thought they were building something in that second half. And then they, last week was just, all right, the team looked halfway decent. The quarterback was absolutely terrible. And then yesterday, it's like it just culminated in everybody not being prepared, not being ready. You know, I, I, I'm not ready to... to you know, write the coaching staff off. Yeah, but this offensive coordinator looks like he came from Jets University. I mean, he's the same freaking shit over and over with these offensive coordinators. I just don't get it. And uh, I'm gonna—I'll start with the players. I am already done with Corey Davis. I'm done with him. He. This is not a defense of Zach Wilson in any way because he's awful. I mean, Zach Wilson's throwing balls at the feet of wide open guys. He's throwing balls into coverage. Blah blah blah. But Corey Davis is not doing him any favors at all. He he. Corey Davis has probably had four or five balls that were contested that he sh- that hit him in the hands he should come down with. And even if you want to say he's not going to come up with all five of them, that's fine. I'm not expecting that. At least do half of them. You know, give me two. Give me two out of four or three out of five, something like that. Give me and, one and so I know that you're capable of doing right, it. Right. <laughs> just help your quarterback out. I mean, you got a young quarterback who, and, and, and I will, I'm going to give you all the credit in the world on the next part, but he got a young quarterback who has nobody to help him out. He's got rookie coaches. He doesn't have a veteran quarterback, which is why I want to give you credit because you were worried about that, and it's turning out to be true. You got a rookie quarterback who's got all of those things going on. He's clearly overwhelmed right now. The game is a little too fast for him. It's got to slow down. He's, he hasn't gotten past that cowboy attitude where his talent has carried him this far. He, he's got to learn all these things, and the least these freaking veterans can do is catch the ball when he throws it to them if it's a catchable ball. The least they can do. Give the kid a little confidence you know give the team some momentum even if it's just one drive where they get a first down do something and Corey Davis I've seen him drop so many balls that were contested or you know I'm already sick of Corey Davis this is already looking like a bad signing and I know it's week three but I'm I'm completely annoyed with him he's 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 the first guy on my shit list Uh, obviously I hear what you're saying about Corey Davis one of the bigger things that I find really disturbing, that's really bothering me after three weeks into the early on into the season. I could have imagined us being 0-3-1-2, that's not a big deal. What I couldn't have imagined and what's really eating me up, I don't know if it's bothering me, if it's scaring me as a traumatized Jets fan, but I was sure, Mac, I was sure that now, three games in the books, we would have sat down and there would have been an offensive player who jumped out at us, whether it's Mims, whether it's Davis, whether it's one of the, our young running backs. Somebody would have jumped out that you and me said, yeah, we got a player here. This kid is making plays. He's doing the right things. Just can't do it alone. There is nobody. Nope. There's absolutely nobody on this young team as far as an offensive skill position player who has stood up, jumped out, and gave me a little bit of hope. That is absolutely terrifying to me. Brandon Barrios looks like the star of this team. And even that, I'm stretching because I have to give it to somebody. But the fact that not a single young player looks again early on. um, But allow me to fucking be emotional for a change. Not a single young player has jumped out in the least to really show me something and say, oh, let me at least hold on to this kid. Let me order his jersey because I know we got a keeper here. Nobody. It's it's completely brutal, and what's even worse is the veterans are not doing it either. And don't even get me started on the offensive line. I know you you know you get busy during the day. I don't know if you heard about Greg Van Roten and what he said. I have not. Okay, Greg Van Roten is is the right is the right guard 
he's he's a turnstile. I mean, all of these, all of these, like all of these um, breakdowns of plays that you see where there's an idiot standing by himself. It's always him. You know, he's facing the other way while the guy <laughs> runs behind him and kills the quarterback. Right? He had the nerve to get out there and say to a reporter that you know Zach Wilson has to learn to get rid of the ball. This is the NFL. You can't hold it. And he goes, we have to protect him, but he's got to get rid of the ball. He's got to be kidding me. Zach Wilson has no time to throw the ball. He's only had a clean pocket maybe half of the time, and he's usually the one. The, the worst guy on the team is the one calling out the quarterback in public. So already the locker room shit's starting. And I just, I, you know, you got a veteran guy like that who's just not good calling out the quarterback to reporters a, a, a day after a bad loss. That is just not a good look for this team. And uh, I, I can't imagine he's still there. I would cut the guy on the spot. It's not like he's, uh, you know, like Bingo. a superstar stud. Get rid of him. Set the example. Set the tone. This guy would be cleaning out his locker if I was the coach, if I was the GM. You have a rookie quarterback who is not a playing because there's an injury to your star quarterback, whatever that may be. This is a franchise quarterback. This is the quarterback that the franchise as a collective, as a whole, said this is the guy that will lead us to the promised land. He's a rookie in a position that's typically the one that has the most eyeballs on it, and rookies struggle. If you want to help him build some confidence, which is clearly lacking at the moment, you just faced Bill Belichick through four picks. You went to Denver, you got shut out. This is going as bad as a rookie can possibly imagine it going the first few weeks. You need to be taking the blame on yourself. Uh, talking about especially anybody. if it's deserved. Especially if it's deserved. I mean, it, it's you know, not like he's playing well and he's taking one for the team. He's the fucking worst, man. He's terrible. And that's what it is. Take it for the team. You have a young kid. He's not even a grown man. He's a young kid learning a position in the most brutal media market on a losing team. The last thing you want to do is pile on because he's feeling it right now. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how steal your nerves are you're feeling it and now it's becoming like an avalanche every week that they lose a game zach wilson is going to feel like a, a what started off as a little snowball is now coming at him and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger until he has a game where he has more touchdown than picks whether it's two and one or one and none and they actually win a game so your job as a dumbass offensive lineman who can't stop anybody is shut your mouth and if you do open your mouth say Listen, we're not doing enough to help him right now. We are yeah. all trying, but we're not doing enough. That would be enough. You don't have to say it's my fault, it's our fault. We as a team are not doing enough to help him, but we're trying. I just I, I, I can't believe that the the locker room sniping is already starting, which really I mean, if I really want to get paranoid, that could tell me that Zach Wilson's a dick and these guys don't like him and it's already coming out. And I really hope that's not the case, because if you if your team leader or the guy who's supposed to be a team leader is liked so little that they're willing to go after him in the media, then you might have a problem there. And if the Jets, you know, they got a young young coach, young young locker room, young everything, the, the Jets will not be able to survive. I mean, Douglas and Sala, all of these guys will never survive if it turns into one of those locker room circuses where everybody's sniping at each other. They're going to have their hands full as it is, obviously. They, they need to get on the same page and get everybody, make sure that, like, the, the whole coaching staff is, is communicating properly to play. They need to do all of that. To, to have to hold it together with the media going after them is, is you know, the media, is, and of course the media is already going after them because of the start, but to add in all of that stupid shit that we've seen year after year with this team, it would it would just be a, a complete disaster that they would not recover from. You might be looking at a, at a quick exit after a year or two with these guys if, if it goes in that direction. 
oh, if, if things don't turn around, you don't see progress, you don't see somebody emerging as a viable playmaker, and on top of that, players are going to start turning on each other, Douglas might be gone after this year, and Salah is going to have a one-year leash with the new GM. Absolutely. Anyway, so I was watching the game yesterday in a bar, which I haven't done in forever. You know, I have a buddy of mine is in town, you know our buddy, and uh, we went and watched the game, and, and we ha- it was nice. First of all, it was nice to be able to sit and watch football, have a couple of drinks. I haven't done that in forever, but yeah. I got to watch all these other games because I've been watching games at home for two years now, and I just watched the Jets and you know, maybe catch a little bit of what's on. But Josh Allen looks really good. He looks great. Right, and the temptation is to sit there and say, "Oh my God, another guy we missed on, like the Dan Marino thing, or you know, t- ten other quarterbacks." But at the end of the day, we would never have developed him properly. He was raw. He came out with 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 like as a project quarterback, and he had everything go right. All the all the right coaching, all the right talent, everything. Josh Allen would look like Sam Darnold, and what Zach Wilson looks like now if he was here. So the temp that as tempting as it is to say, "Damn it, the Jets blew it. They they had a chance and didn't take him." It, it never would have worked out anyway. They would never have developed him into what he is now. There's no chance. It would have been a, an absolute disaster. And and that and the reason I bring this up is because. I'm watching the the Bills play the um play the the Redskins. Uh, I'm sorry, the Washington Football Team before the Jet game. So I had a chance to watch it, see what was going on, and it just seems that that it, you know the, the 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 darkness around the Jets franchise gets worse. Then the Jets play, and it's even it's even worse than last week, which I didn't think it could get worse, you know, but it did. It beca- just because the the you know like it wasn't four interceptions doesn't mean it wasn't worse it it has cast yeah it has cast a black cloud around this team where nothing ever goes right and as we said at the beginning of this there is no positives on at least offensively there is no positives to take from yesterday there's not even something you could say all right if you want to take something away from it there's nothing there's nothing to take away from this guys are dropping balls they're not in position the line's terrible the quarterback is is overmatched and 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 trying to do too much it is just it is painful to watch, and I, I'm already, you know, w- season's over already. They're not recovering from this and giving us no, a, and giving no. us any season's kind of, and, yeah, season's over from a playoff standpoint, which I'm okay with. I didn't expect that anyway, but I'm starting to feel like another couple of weeks of this slide into into what they did last year, you know, with with Gase is just gonna, it, 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 the frustration is is palpable, man. I'm just it, it's it's like like the dark sider in me is coming out. I'm starting to buy into the the negative things that everybody says and and just say like this team, you know, forget the curse, but just realistically, like this is this is not going to happen for them. And you know, some people say be patient. You know, it's still only week three with with a new everything, which is true, but there's no there's nothing to build on now if there was there's no positivity at all yeah. nothing if there was something at least you'd you'd say all right well we can get this together we can do that we can there's nothing there's nothing it's just it's getting worse and we've seen what happens when this gets to a point where the players are are so beaten up that they that they can't really recover from it and it, we, 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 i mean i don't want to be too dramatic but week three is already come and gone in the first year and you're already at the point where where some irreversible damage could be done to both the coaching staff and of course your young quarterback and you know you see elijah moore was <laughs> elijah moore was being compared to uh you know to um what's the i, I can't even think the kid's name on um on Kansas City, uh, the receiver, the, the little fast. Not Tyreek Hill, was it? Tyreek Hill, yeah, Tyreek Hill? Oh. yeah, yeah. He's he's the small yeah, guy. I can see he's the resemblance. Fun. 
<laughs> I can see. Yeah, he's he's short and he's got dark skin. That's the <laughs> only resemblance. Oh yeah, and he wears football uniform. I mean, just I mean, obviously to ga- to garner such a comparison, the kid's got to have talent somewhere. I've seen nothing out of him. And by the way, just to revisit last week where we were talking about his route, I looked at it again and he did not he did not run a good route. He ran, he ran directly to the sideline instead of cutting up field. He didn't he, he didn't make any adjustment on the ball. So unfortunately, I don't like to be right in those situations. It's valid. He ran a terrible route and could have ran the ball okay. into the end zone instead of stepping out of bounds one second after catching the ball. You know, but. Okay. Okay. Um, Josh Allen, and then you know you go on to Bridgewater, and he's exactly what we said he was. He's not dynamic. He's not certainly not great, but he's very smart. There were a couple of times where he looked like he was going to throw downfield, and it said, "Forget it. I have a wide open guy five yards for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the smart play." And he did that over and over. And he 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 didn't have a dynamic day. He didn't have a great day by any means. And and I'm you know I, I purposely did not look at stats. I wanna I wanna like look at them together to see how close we were. But Bridgewater was everything we said he was. He is never going to win for you but he certainly won't lose for you and he didn't have to do much with the Jets yesterday it was just a, an absolute you know a disgusting display top to bottom from the coaching staff all the way down to to every player on the team I want to uh, I know it's a little bit off the Jets topic but to me Teddy Bridgewater is a better but a cheaper version of Kirk Cousins who is to me one of the most if not the most overpaid quarterback in the league but that's what Teddy Bridgewater is if the Vikings go down and they need Cousins to start throwing the ball, it's game over. If the Vikings are close and they can use uh, Cook, they can use their dynamic wide receivers, uh, they'll be in it, and I like their chances in the end. But if uh, if it comes down to we need Kirk to really air it out and win us the game, pencil him in for three INTs, he might throw one or two touchdowns. Uh, so that's what, uh, to me, Teddy Bridgewater is a more secure, safer option than Cousins. Not not somebody that's gonna blow you away, but somebody smart enough to say, "I'll protect the ball. I'll take what the defense gives me." Um, you don't need to make that 75-yard play right now. The game is close. We gotta just keep moving downfield, eating up the clock. Um, and then I, Josh yeah. Allen. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, jump I, in. Yeah, so I was gonna say I could see your comparison to a certain degree. Like I, I look at both of them as guys who probably won't kill you but certainly not going to get you over the top. But I think Bridgewater is not, I don't think Bridgewater is as talented as Cousins, but I think he's much smarter. Cousins, Cousins tends to fall apart in big air and big games where, yeah. you know, and, and we haven't really seen Teddy Bridgewater in any big game. So I don't know if he no. would either, but he just seems smarter. He just seems more, more, more together. Like he, like he's like, like the game is slow enough that he could do it. It's just that, you know, unfortunately he just doesn't have that really, really high level ability to get it to the next spot. But he, he seems smart. Cousins never strikes me as that cousin. Uh, I think th- again, the similarity between them, uh, I agree with to a, to a point is that, the, is that neither one of them is going to get a team over the top that, that I, that I completely agree with there. And you were going to say something about Josh Allen. Yeah. Well, you were pulling up the stats and we'll review our stat comparison for the game from the scores to the quarterback stats. I just wanted to touch uh, quickly on your point of Josh Allen. I don't know when it happened with me, Mac, but there was a point when I was younger when I would look at a guy that went uh, either one pick before the Jets or a couple of picks after the Jets pick. And I would be like, oh, man, if only that guy fell one pick to us or wow, if only we picked this guy instead of the guy we ended up with, we'd be doing so good right now. We'd be in such a good place. Somewhere over the last couple of years, the mentality completely shifted. It was no longer about draft picks. It is about the black hole that is the Jets franchise and what it does to kill young players. At a certain point, you have to say, listen, you can't keep 
You can't be that bad that through three GMs and like seven coaches, every early round pick has been a complete miss and a bust. At a certain point, you're like, this franchise does shit when it comes to developing players and getting the best out of them. Terrible. Maybe he's not going to be the best in his position, but goddamn, on the Jets, they look like bust left and right. They're just complete misses. And that to me is... Oh, yeah, there's, there's only one... There's only one really common thread through all of that, and that's the ownership. But I can't get on the ownership for this one. They find, you know, before this, absolutely. But bef- but this time they got it right. They might not have made the right choice, but they did the right thing. They found the guy. They let him pick his own coach. They stepped out of it. They, you know, I, I don't know what they could have done differently this time. And, and I'm the last guy that's going to defend them because I stopped going to games because they're greedy bastards. But. I don't see what they did wrong this time. Just like I, I don't see what Douglas did wrong. He might have made bad choices and not picked the right players, but everything that Douglas and the Johnsons have done in the last year, through you know whatever, starting with getting rid of Adam Gase, has been correct. It may not work out, but it was the right choice at that time. And so I don't see that's the only common thread. And then the the only other one is the supernatural. The Jets just you know the franchise is cursed. Joe Namath really did you know make a deal to to win that Super Bowl, and and he's nothing's gonna happen until he's dead. You know who knows? That that's the only other option. His ownership and and the Jets really are cursed. And, and you know I'm starting to be at a point where people can convince me one or the other is true. <laughs> I don't know, man. Listen, on my end, I have to say, ever since the announcement that Adam Gase was officially fired. I have loved and applauded and cheered every decision that the ownership and the GM made. For the most so, part, know, yeah, yeah. Well, you didn't agree with the division. Yeah, but you can't you can't say that you agree with everything. You 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 called them out on the no backup quarterback, and you were right. Um, one of the other things is I, I I didn't bring this up in a podcast, but I was really amazed that they cut every tight end at the end of camp. Like, yeah, they left themselves with almost nothing, and and now apparently like like. This guy's offense is built heavily on the tight ends, and they're trying to use these guys heavily in the game in the game plan. But they're just not good. These guys are number two and three uh, tight ends, and they don't have a number one guy. And so I, I I don't know if that was Salah or if it was Douglas, but letting all the tight ends go wasn't a wasn't a very brilliant move either. So. Yes, he's made some bad moves. Uh, I like the overall plan. We've seen the vision. He may not actually make the right choices for the vision, but the vision is the is being executed in the right sense. way. Yeah, absolutely. All right, what else do I have on here? Little things I wanted to talk about. Um, I'll skip that. Um, now we'll get to that in a minute. Back on the list. Of, okay, so we've touched on this a little bit, and again, I'm not defending Wilson in any way because he's he's bad too, but. You know, he has no time at all. I, I, it's what I what I wrote was back on topic because I got off topic, which we'll get to. Um, I'm not saying Wilson looks good by any stretch, but he's also got no protection. If he gets two two seconds to try and do something, it's a miracle. You know, he's running for his life almost the entire time, and you know he's making bad decisions. Yes, but they are doing nothing to help him. And one stat that I saw today, and again, no no positive, like, hey, we can build on this at all. It's just, it's just interesting, is that his completion percentage yesterday was 55%. And if the guys who dropped the balls hadn't dropped them, he would have been 69.5%, which that speaks a lot. That, that at that least is points, a staggering difference. Yeah. Staggering. 
Yeah, that's how many drop passes they were. So that at least points to him being somewhat accurate at times. But I also saw a lot of plays where he threw the ball. He had time, and he's throwing. And the thing that scares me, he's got the happy feet already. He's throwing off his back foot, yep. and, and you got a wide-open guy, and he's throwing it at his feet because he, can, he can't get it out there. So it's kind of scary. But, you know, Wilson has no protection at all, and he doesn't have any proverbial protection either because he doesn't have anybody to help him out. It's a rookie, it's a rookie coaching staff. There's no, there's no, there's no really serious veteran presence there he's missing his best offensive lineman he's got a lineman on there who's who's essentially a, a subway turnstile it's terrible um what was the other thing i wanted to talk about oh okay and this one we've talked about before and, and yesterday you know yesterday for the first time as i mentioned before it was the first time i sat around and watched a bunch of different games at the same time and, and it's you know when you're a football fan that's a way different dynamic than sitting on your couch and you know petting your dog and watching only your team oh like, it's fantastic i love yeah. that there's 12 tvs on it's it's, it's absolutely great. and and you get you get to see in real time what other teams look like and it gets frustrating when you know i'm sitting there watching the jets and they look like you know you me and the rest of the panel trying to play a football game in the park without ever practicing and just drawing plays in the sand and, and just looking inept and every other team even the bad ones look like they have it together the jets for for games on end in, in a given season look like they don't belong in the same league as most other teams and that gets frustrating after a while and I, I, I really gave it some thought, like, you know, because we were talking about um, the other day was the anniversary of that overtime game with Miami and the Jets in 86, where it was 51-45. It was a classic, right? Marino and O'Brien going back and forth all day. Then we talked, that was the, the best game I was ever at, except for the Monday Night Miracle and all these other games, whatever. And I'm realizing, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when was the last time we had a game where we were like, wow, what a good game, win or lose? What a classic game, you know? down to the wire bite your nails we haven't seen that in years and i had completely forgot what that feels like i'm thinking like all these different games even in the sanchez era there were some great games you know i'm thinking dallas on the 9-11 anniversary where the jets came back late in the game and there's the houston comeback and you know i mean even the championship games they lost were exciting you were on the edge of your seat when was the last time we had anything like that at all nothing and i don't want to hear cleveland and the rams last year because it was late in the season we didn't even want them to win it's almost like like, it was just like, this is not exciting. We need like a real thing. When was the last time I had a game that actually mattered? The last that game was exciting. that made my dick hard before the game <laughs> was under Todd Bowles when you and me were at the bar and the Jets yes. had to beat the Bills to get out to the playoffs. Off the top of my head, that's the last game that, like yeah. I said, got me excited. I woke up that morning. I took a deep breath and said, this is a great day to be alive. The Jets are going <laughs> to clinch the playoffs. We know what happened, yeah. but at least there was reason for optimism and excitement. That was the last yeah. one that I remember. Yeah, so that's that was of of 2016 because it was the 2015 season, and that was what probably January. So it's either the very last week of the, of 2015 or early 2016. So you're talking six years, six years, years since we since we've had a game to look forward to. But even beyond that, when was the last time we had a game where during the game it was exciting and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like just oh my god and then they pull out a victory despite the fact that they look terrible and when was the last time we had an exciting game where in the fourth quarter we were on the edge of our seats and we go home and say wow that was a great freaking game that was exciting i i, I cannot remember the last time we had that i really can't 
And that's that's super frustrating for a guy like me. I see Facebook memories on stuff I used to say, and I'm like, holy shit, I was so much more knowledgeable than I picked up on all these little things. And these guys have practically killed my my enthusiasm to the point where I can barely freaking do anything other than wait for a podcast. I'm making podcast notes because the game is, is boring the shit out of me. And th- th- that's a freaking shame because you know how big a fan I've always been. That's a true freaking shame. It's just hard because they give you no reason to get excited. The, the only game that I can say in its entirety was exciting last season was the game where they snatched the defeat from the jaws of victory with the all-out blitz against the Raiders. Oh, yeah. That was the <laughs> game that uh, was exciting for all the wrong reasons in the fourth quarter. Sure as shit made me bite my nails after I saw the last play. Um, but make you wreck your freaking TV, too. <laughs> but the fact that we've had no... Like you said, just a game that... As the fourth quarter is coming around, you feel yourself inching closer and closer to the edge of the couch. That by the final two-minute warning, you're just you're clutching a pillow. You're so into it, and this is nothing. I sit here, I scratch my scratch my ass. I get up to make a sandwich. Nothing about this is capturing me. It's so true, man. Because I, you know, I think back to times when I would actually look at the clock and wonder how much time was left, and start calculating with timeouts. We can do this. We could do that. It has been so long. And then that also leads into, you know, we joke about it, but it's really true. Is by October, we don't care if they win or lose anymore. You're looking for wins because you want your team to win. And then you seriously start to say, hey, it might be worth it to lose for the draft pick. It's been freaking years since we had a game past baseball season past the playoffs even the regular this year it's going to be over before the regular season but it's been years since we could look at a game in the fourth quarter and have a legitimate interest in you know hey there's seven minutes left they're down two scores do they still have a shot or we have the we have the lead and we just got to run the clock down to a point where the other team i mean there's just all these little nuances that have not been a part of our life beyond beyond you know let's root for a draft pick for years upon years it's it's so frustrating to root for this team and i'm so pissed at them for killing my enthusiasm for the sport i I, it's hard to maintain this and you know i know i'm totally rambling tonight but they're killing me i had a friend who was a rams fan when he was a kid and all they're losing in the in the 80s and 90s made him like give up on them he just now he just roots for whatever team's good because he wants to uh, he wants to, you know, have a good feeling, and he likes football in general. And I've always made fun of him because he's, you know, I'm like, dude, how can you give up on your team? And then when they won in the late '90s, you couldn't even enjoy it because you're not a fan anymore, you know. And I will never do that. I would lose interest in this sport before I ever went to another team. But I'm starting to understand why he said that all the constant losing took away his enthusiasm. I can totally see that because it's happening. It's happened with me over the past few years. And these first three games here, it's like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There is nothing to freaking root for anymore. I've, I've lived it. I've lived it on a different sport with the Knicks. It's just with football because you only get that one little treat a week you 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 force yourself to look forward to it in some way shape or form and uh, but yeah all the losing takes a toll it's the same thing i'm a diehard knicks fan i would never go to another team i had the golden years of the 90s which i didn't appreciate and then they decided to in new york the, the top market at that time in the nba and they go into about a 25 year rebuild where i wasn't looking for a new team to cheer for but i certainly just kind of I stepped away. I watched the games. I checked the stats, but I was no longer rushing home from work because tip-off is at 7:07, and I am not missing a goddamn second. Right. I watched a handful yes. of. I've watched a handful of games out of 82 games. I watched a handful from first to last whistle because it's just depressing. You're watching a product that you don't enjoy. It's like going to a movie, and 
an hour into an hour in and there's two more hours to go and you're like this is crap um keep my twelve dollars over well we're in 2021 probably keep my 65 dollars but i'm out of here i'm walking out and this is what the knicks and their time did to me and this is what the jets are doing it's just like yeah i love you it's it's great i'm committed i have my jersey i have my winter hat on but damn if you like and, and i'll even wear it in public i will but don't expect me to take out my pom-poms and start yelling j-e-t-s yes. jets jets you're yeah. not giving me jack shit to be proud about when you've had a run like this you know i wasn't around for the 70s and the 70s were apparently like this it was 12 years between playoff appearances and they were brutal in the 70s so the 70s were probably like this but i started following them in 81 and other than like that stretch in the 90s but even then they were they were making the playoffs and they were just that was the same old jets era where they just kept constantly losing in bad ways and giving things away we have not seen a stretch like this and it is i could see why people get beat up emotionally by their teams this is a 10-year stretch where we had one winning season and blew it that year so that it couldn't even enjoy it but this is literally a 10 or 11 year stretch now where it's been abysmal football where we're the laughing stock of the league and there is nothing positive to take away from much and we're grasping grasping at straws hoping things turn around with you know multiple regimes out the door and a new ones in it, it, i i i never i wouldn't wish this on any sports fan because i was a sports fanatic especially the jets i wouldn't miss a minute i've told everybody the stories about how i went to all 16 games in one season road games home games everything i mean this is, i lived and died for the jets and then you know they, they screwed me with the season tickets and that's one thing but i'm still love the team i still go see them on the road i still watch but some of that passion is gone it is impossible to hold on to all of that passion for something that is so bad and has no hope attached to it at all it's it's almost impossible and i never would have thought that was possible you know but it's getting to that point now where i'm having a tough time mustering up the passion and you know because i don't see an end in sight if there was something you know you start this year and maybe they can turn it around maybe we'll see some progress it's just getting uglier and which i didn't think possible but it's getting uglier it's really nasty because as a fan they want a little a little return on our investment. Okay, we're not asking for the Patriots where every year we win the division, we go to the playoffs, we make a deep run, and every two, three years, some years back-to-back, we win a title. We're not asking for that, but a little gratification as a fan, as a return on your investment, would be warranted to keep your interest. And the, all this negativity, like as a fan, you're like, shit, I've had enough. All this is doing is making me fucking depressed. And when I look back at the bigger picture, I became a diehard fan, you can say, in 94, 95. Uh, that's about 26, 27 years. Out of 27 years of being a diehard Jet fan, Mac, I can remember three seasons off the top of my head where at the beginning of the season there was gen- justifiable excitement because we had a chance to go deep. Two years under Bill Parcells. One was uh, the conference finals lost to the Denver Broncos. The second one was uh, the hype oh, and hope lasted yeah. about one quarter when Vinny already blows oh out his Achilles so and we go one and eight. Uh, and uh, the other, that, so that was the two years under Tuna, God bless his heart. And uh, the other year was, uh, I believe it was the second year uh, under, um, under Rex when they went to the conference finals and lost to the Steelers. Uh, after the rookie season and he dragged them into the playoffs, they back, sorry, they backed into the playoffs, they right. backed in the second year too, right. but... <laughs> 
just the Colts basically let them into the playoffs, but you still yeah. have fans talking about what a great job Rex did to get him in. I'm like, come on. I mean, he got them into the playoffs. They they did well in the playoffs, and 2010 was a legit run. Those were serious wins, that big win in, in New England. But the Jets backed into the playoffs in 2009. It's not like, you know, like they worked miracles to get there. I mean, if the Colts didn't sit there, guys, in the second half, the Jets are sitting no, at home. No, the Colts the, have an undefeated season, and, you know, we look back on that as a completely different thing. But enough. I don't. I, don't, I certainly don't want to get into that. Yeah, yeah. But so, yeah, just in, in 26 years, three years of uh, slight positivity. But let's jump into the stats because this week absolutely demoralized me. Well, I, I do have a couple other little things I wanted oh, to mention. please, yeah, please. Yeah, no, no worries. Um, start Corey Davis pissing me off. We already did that. Um, oh, yeah, some guy in a Cowboys jersey comes up to me and starts yapping about how we gave up on Sam too early. And if we kept him and Robbie, we'd be much better off. I'm like, no, we'd still be 0-3. We might just look a little better because there's no way – Keeping Sam Donald means these first three games are wins. It's not happening. There's no, there's no friggin' way. Sam Donald would would look slightly better than Zach Wilson because he's in his fourth year. But there's no way that that Robbie Anderson and Sam Donald make any difference on this team right now. This is just, it's bad. Um, oh, th- this is a funny thing. Like I, you never think about this, right? But Daniel Carlson from the Raiders, they they were talking about how he played against himself in fantasy and he had to like you know he had to actually play and think about what he was doing because his his opponent had him in fantasy and i'm like wow i never really thought of that i've always thought like i'll take myself like if you know you have yourself in a game but what happens when you're playing against a team that has you you know that's that's a pretty interesting thing i never ever ever (laughs) thought about that yeah daniel (laughs) carlson's the kicker right he's the kicker so who cares if he has himself but i mean like you know but it's just funny um, Wilson, right around the time. Yeah, first I said that already. I said that, and um, that's the, oh, so so. Um, oh yeah, I, I, you know, here's here's one of the coaching things that 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna get. Now this is a small thing. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but it's like why? It's two minute warning. The Jets are down twenty three nothing, and Salas calling timeouts like he's trying to stop the clock to get the ball back. Why? Why not let them just sit on the ball? Are you trying to get the ball back to give your offense another shot to look even more inept? At that point, it's 23 nothing. They ended up they ended up taking enough timeouts that Denver was forced to kick a field goal, even though they weren't trying. What is the point of taking timeouts in, in, inside two minutes when you're down 23 points? Can, and is there any? You know, I could see if the Jets' offense looked good and they wanted to get him another shot, but there is zero reason to be calling time. All you're going to do is get somebody hurt. In, in late in the game like that. And I don't understand the, the impetus behind calling those timeouts. I don't get it at all. I'll play devil's advocate on here. I'll disagree with you and I'll play devil's advocate. Do Double you actually disagree right? with me or are you only playing devil's advocate? <laughs> I'm only playing devil's advocate because okay. the reality is I saw it the same way as you, but I saw a little opportunity to disagree with you, so I'll jump at it. Go for uh, it, man. We with need the a young little quarterback in, <laughs> with, the, with the young, inexperienced quarterback and a losing team, and remember, Salah said in his opening press conference, we're going to be going 120 miles an hour. We're never going to give up. We're never going to quit. I think his mindset, if I had to guess, was twofold. Number one, you cannot say no to getting your struggling quarterback live reps, especially if they got the ball back with 45 seconds to go. You run a quote-unquote two-minute offense. Let him, uh, let him run two, three plays, no huddle. It's experience. It's live reps. Uh, that's number one. The other thing is I think Salah being a first-time head coach, he doesn't have a resume of uh, winning, uh, 
a resume where he can just slap that on the backboard and the players will just their jaws drop and they listen to him so i think he's leading by example and saying until that final whistle we do not give up we keep trying we keep using timeouts we keep running plays that's uh that's the logic that i'd like to believe he used uh if anything uh that's, that's the way i'm leading so. I listen, man. I'll be honest with you. It is a good point to say that he wants to set the example because you're never going to give up. But that is a real, real stretch. <laughs> At 23, of nothing. Course, of you course. just want to get the hell out of there and get your team in the locker room and tell them, you know, that, listen, guys, this was freaking terrible. We are going to take the rest of the day off, go cry. We will be back at, at it tomorrow, and we'll, we'll do it. There's, I, I don't see, I don't see the point in taking the timeouts like you would down a score and you're hoping to block a punt or something. I just, I don't see it. All right, in final that thought. Particular, what, oh, go ahead, go sorry. Ahead. Yeah, go ahead. In that particular situation, I viewed it the same way as you. Let the clock run out. Take the guys to the locker room and say, if you play long enough, sometimes a shitstorm like today is going to happen. Take a shower. Watch the bad juju off. No football talk till the rest of the day. Tomorrow we resume the hard work. Yep. Okay, so... One and I lied. One positive thing, and it's not really positive. Someone brought it up, and I thought the parallel was interesting. So one thing you could take away, not because of the performance, but at least a, a, a comparison to something else. Someone on Facebook actually made a very good point and talked about how everything's new, rookie this, rookie that, and said that the team reminds him a lot of the 2019 Miami Dolphins, which, if you remember, we, we forget because they've gotten good quick. The Miami Dolphins were an absolutely terrible team. They, they let everybody go at the beginning of the season. They traded everybody, and they were a college team. They were horrendous. And, of course, the Jets come along, give them their first win, and suddenly they got much better. They ended the season, I don't know, 5-11, and 11, you know, 4-12, and 12, whatever it was. I'm not saying that's going to be the Jets, and I, I, I am way beyond any kind of, hey, it could happen to us. No, it can't, but there is at least that tiny little shred of something that, that there was a recent example of a team that was probably even worse or just as bad that turned it around quick in the same position. Young team, new coach, all of that stuff. So do with that what you will. I am not saying by any means I believe that that is the case, but it was just an interesting thing I saw. I will definitely hold on to that thought because it is a great <laughs> example. And yeah, they, they literally, as the season started, they just, uh, by week one, week two, they were still continuing. They blew up the entire roster. They got an A-plus as far as the coach is concerned, who held the locker room together. A couple of wins, a couple of pieces, and next thing you know, they resemble a real team. Right. That's It's a good point. Listen, at this point, I'll take anything, uh, anything for a little positive inspiration, so I'm glad you brought this up. At least you I can sleep know. tonight. It's not over yet. It just feels like it is. All right, let's do some predictions here. Okay, I, I, again, I have not looked because I wanted to like us to go through it together. Let's start with, with Zach Wilson, okay? I had Zach Wilson at uh, – do you have the stats up? I'm pulling it up right pull now. It up. Yeah, okay, you pull it up. I got it. Okay, I had Zach Wilson at 19 completions for 30, 19 out of 36, 213, zero TDs, one interception, and 23 yards on the ground. You had Zach Wilson at 17 of 30, 229, one TD, two interceptions, and 20 running. Wait, you had him at 19 for 36? Yeah, why? Is that what he, he was? He finished the game 19 of 35. <laughs> that <out>. is ridiculous. <laughs> How many yards he did he have? He finished the game 19 for 35, 160 yards. Oh, I gave him too much credit. No, no touchdowns and two picks. Two picks. I was pretty close. How many yards did he have on the ground? two yards one rush for two, two yards okay, that is i mean wow talk <laughs> about nailing wow. how many times he's gonna put it up what was your yardage prediction uh 213 
Okay, so the, you were overshadowing the yards, but yeah. wow, I can't believe how 19 <laughs> of 36 and the kid was 19 for 35. That's, I hope you put a little sticky on that one. This is going to be a tough one to match for either of us the rest of the season. <laughs> I see. I hear you had him at 17.30, which uh, I guess in any other circumstances is not a bad prediction either. Uh, you also overestimated the yards, and you gave him way too much. You got the two picks right, but you gave him a touchdown, and you had him at 20 running. So. All right, uh, my MVP, I'm, do we even bother with MVP? Bryce Hall, I, I, I don't know if there's any way to measure that. He didn't pick anything off. I don't know what his receiver did. You had Barrios at six catches for 86 yards, but regardless of what the stats were, you said he would lead the Jets. Was that the case? Did he lead the Jets? Not even close. Uh, he <laughs> had two catches for 26 yards. The okay. team was paced by Corey Davis with five catches for 41 yards. Which should have been like seven for, you know, a hundred. But, you know, whatever. Fuck Corey Davis. Excuse my language. All right. Uh, Bridgewater. I had him at 16 of 21 for 189. Two TDs, one interception. Uh, I don't think he threw one. So he didn't throw, I know he didn't throw an interception. I don't think he threw a TD. And uh, Bridgewater, you had Bridgewater at 23 of 29 for 240. One TD, no interceptions, and under 10 yards rushing. So what do we got for Bridgewater? Okay, so I was really close for the yards. He finished 19 of 25, oh, wow. 235 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, and four runs for 24 yards on the ground. 24. All right. So, yeah, so you were off on that. We both had him at, at nothing on the ground. Uh, so, wait, 23. Uh, so, all right, so he threw less. I, I was close in that I said he wouldn't throw that much. Uh, I did underestimate how many yards he would throw. You had him at six incompletions, which was right on the money. You just had him for a few more uh, throws and, and completions, and you were very close on the thing. So you, you did pretty well there. He didn't throw any touchdowns. Um, not bad. It's easy to pick against the Jets. Just uh, imagine yeah. a career game for any player yeah. going, lining up against very us. True. Very true. All right, my worst case was 27-3, which uh, I gave the Jets too much credit for scoring three, but I was fairly close there. Uh, I, I, I was originally going to go... Yeah, yeah. I will give you a shout-out because you said, listen, it can be ugly and they can get shut-out. You kind of toyed with the idea, but you decided to give them <laughs> a pity field goal. But the, for well, those the of you who didn't listen... <laughs> the sad thing is, is they kicked the field goal and <laughs> taken off the board because freaking, yep. uh, because the freaking penalty. And that's the other thing, these freaking penalties. All right, you had worst case at 27-13. I mean, you really... You really gave the Jets a lot of credit on that one. So, wow, is what it is. My my realistic was twenty four to nine, which the nine was too much. But I had Denver in that twenty four twenty seven area. So uh, it is what it is, man. We just you know, whatever. All right, I, I you know you know why, but I got a very busy week this week, so we're gonna have to figure out a time to do our preview show for uh, Tennessee. Which you know, I can tell you right now, I'm not predicting a win. Um, I think I'm going to be at that game and it's going to get ugly. And I'm going with a buddy of mine who is a diehard Tennessee fan. Oh, He's yeah. going to get all his uh, jerseys, his gear. I can't wait by the third quarter to get pelted with beer along with him. Because nice. people are going to mistake me as a yeah. traitor. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not looking forward to this game. It's going to be ugly. But maybe we can jump on as early as uh, tomorrow night or at the latest Wednesday night. Because I think after that, uh, things are going to get a little hectic for you things for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, the good news is that uh, Jamie and I are going to go to the tailgate if you want to go to the tailgate on, on, on Sunday. So we're going to go hang oh, out Oh, that's there. already set in stone. I can't wait to see you guys. Excellent. All right, cool. All right, well, with that said, um, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. And uh, I will uh, talk to you later in the week, my friend. Yes. Enjoy yourself, man. Bye-bye.